Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we gather around the campfire with the burning and sleepaway camp. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. And you are always having issues with all of your good uh, equipment. I suggest you use crappier equipment. I guess. Mics? What'd you say? What's that? What did you say? I heard mics, but I didn't oh. hear anything else. Oh, well, I guess I can't brag about my equipment anymore. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's Noah you're, there. You're broke. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Sorry, you're okay. broken. Canadian sick of shit. Nah, he's doing something more important. That's fair. I'm sure, all my Canadian shit was manufactured by the same Asian children as manufactured your shit. <laughs> the same it's just it's just when they announce it here they'll announce it using a different exchange rate of what they got paid per day well that's depressing yeah yeah we like to start the show as depressing as possible (laughs) that is our mo make sure everyone's sad so they don't notice how bad we are at this (laughs) you don't get to 200 plus episodes by being good as that no you you get it by selecting a hobby that involves being able to do it regardless of quality Exactly. Uh, all right. Since we're running super behind tonight because of me, uh, should we hop into it? Fuck yeah. Talk about some fucking camp movies. Yeah. Well, Doug, literal, literal camp, not figuratively camp. Yeah. Doug, why don't you tell us about the burning, the burning? Yeah. Uh, the, the burning is a movie about, uh, a guy and some kids are playing a prank on him at a camp. He's like 
the janitor, I guess. Doesn't matter. Um, he's he's the groundskeeper of the enemy camp, I do believe, is the setup. Uh, it doesn't matter. They light him on fire. That's what's important. <laughs> um, air quotes around the word accidentally light him on fire. He's in the hospital for a while. He gets out, hires a hooker. She freaks out because of how ugly he is, so he murders her and then disappears for some period of time. And uh, I don't know. I It probably says in the movie, but I don't remember. Some future summer down the way. Uh, uh, well, kids across. It, the- it, it jumps ahead five years, then he gets the hooker and kills her. And cut to camp. What is does he go straight from the hooker to the camp? Do we know? Uh, that was my belief. Okay. Not that he was like, so oh, five fucking years killed a hooker. I'm going to go to camp. I think it's just, well, we know he's crazy now, so might as well head off to that camp. He's already there gone is. cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. Yeah, so there's a camp going on on the same lake. I think it's across the lake from the camp where he got lit on fire. Uh, and it's filled of filled with characters such as uh, Fisher Stevens and a young George Costanza and a bunch of girls who are have to have been over 18 when this was filmed, but are playing teenagers and all that. And he starts murdering them. And then eventually there's a, uh, an overnight canoe trip. So he lets their canoes go so that he can murder them in the woods. But then the nerdy kid lights them on fire at the end of the movie. Thus bringing our story full circle. <laughs> Why am I giving a plot description of a slasher movie? <laughs> a guy with, he uses uh, the fucking, the, uh, the, I don't know what they're called. Shears that come head with every shot. gardening kit. Yeah. Head, nobody, head shears. Yeah. Like when you buy the three pack of garden tools and it's like the one like longer thing with the small clip on the end for trimming your tree. And the small one for trimming smaller bushes. And then there's that one that does nothing and nobody ever uses them for anything. He uses those to kill people. (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most, those garden tools serve no purpose except for murder. It's very much the most Friday the 13th movie ever made that is not, in fact, Friday the 13th. That is correct. And technically, it was written before Friday the 13th. (laughs) Somebody was like, that would never work as a plot for a movie. Then Friday the 13th came out, and they were like, it turns out maybe it would. (laughs) They scooped us, Johnny. They scooped us. Someone called the Weinsteins. This must be financed. (laughs) Oh, no. The Weinsteins came up with a story and wrote it. Oh, did they? Mm, yeah, they were good. they were directly involved with this, like as far as getting this movie made. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the credits, it's like story by like Harvey Weinstein and then script by Bob okay. Weinstein and fellow writer. <laughs> and fellow writer. Ew. Um, okay. <laughs> that is unfortunate yeah. because that almost certainly means that one of those young actresses got fucked. Uh didn't get fucked, but apparently this is the film that Harvey started oh, his reign of terror by exposing himself to a young female intern and then later asked her for a massage. So oh, luckily fuck. that's, that's as far as it went. God damn it. It's right, a well, perfectly good crazy just... man in the woods stabbing unruly teenagers. And now we got all this bad shit attached to it. 
Yeah. In mind that one of the important themes of our podcast is that nothing ever gets better. And so the fact that Harvey Weinstein was doing that in 1981 and he didn't get arrested until what was it? 2020 or 2019 or something. (laughs) That's it's important to know that we are correct when we say nothing ever gets better. Yep. I was going to say, and this movie contains a lot of really great lingering uh, Savini kills and a lot of uh, really cheap, quick cut Savini kills. <laughs> so you run the gambit of his repertoire. <laughs> so I watched the, uh, I watched the special features and they have a, like a 15 minute long discussion with Savini and he actually turned down to do Friday the 13th part two for this movie. Cause he's like, what? They're bringing Jason out. That's stupid. That'll never work. And then he, the thing he's like, well, they're still making Jason movies. So obviously I was not correct about that one. Oh man. The opening, the opening kill of him, uh, stabbing that chick in the stomach with the scissors and like wiggling it around. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) I was going to say this was the first time he sticks the scissors in and they don't stop. Like he keeps moving them around and you're just like, no, that's like, that's not how you do it. Like we've all seen people get stabbed a million times in movies. You stab it in and that's it. (laughs) But he doesn't stop there. It's so much grosser. I love it. We should mention this was the first time watch for Noah. Yeah, yeah, I've actually never seen this one. Oh, my God, really? (laughs) Oh, well, no, like... I'm not exactly sure why I never watched it. It's always been, like, in the periphery, you know what I mean? Like, I knew it was there. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you've seen it now. And... (laughs) (laughs) Like, we can all move past your your previous flaws of having not seen this movie. (laughs) But, oh, my God, you saw all these kills for the first time. You saw that raft attack for the first time. Oh. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, fuck, they must have, after seeing Friday the 13th, they're like, how are we on top fucking Friday the 13th with this Kevin Bacon taking an arrow through the neck shit? And they're like, what if he lays in wait in a canoe and just <laughs> wanton fucks up a raft full of children? In the middle of the daytime. Oh. It's so fucking good. He chops that one dude's fingers off. <laughs> he slashes that one girl across the head. That is a really good effect when he slashes her across the head. I'm like, I believe you would die from that. <laughs> one girl gets the next stab all in. Like, what is it? How long is that rap scene? Like a minute and a half. Like we're five people. It's like five amazing deaths in a row <laughs> right away. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, and apparently it's heavily edited because, of course, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's just how things are. It sucks because I imagine the real kills are even better. Yeah, Savini was talking about how, like, yeah, they worked on all this shit, worked on it real hard, and then, like, literally, like, 20 seconds on film. It's like, God damn it. Did we mention that the uh, the camp bad boy is just a eighties ultra douche named Glazer. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know they didn't do it on purpose because it was the eighties, but they could not, they could not have, if this was a parody movie, I'd be like, (laughs) nobody would make a guy named Glazer. That would be too much. (laughs) Uh, uh. At least, 
at least the movie knows their audience though right because you're like yeah he's like a douchebag or whatever but the movie makes it a point of like the nerdy characters getting the better of him every now and again they're like we know who watches slasher movies (laughs) like all the people who are just spending saturday nights in their basement because they're scared to go out because the real life glazers are out there (laughs) So let's let them have this movie where they shoot Glazer in the ass with BB gun. <laughs> I mean, the first the first half of this movie is a significant amount of time spent of Glazer trying to pressure the girl he <laughs> likes into having sex with him. And he's the type yeah. of 80s dude well, that, that keeps like, oh, come on. It's going to be real good. I promise it's going to be real good. And then like three pumps and he's like, uh. yeah. <laughs> right. Who who did we say did the story again? <laughs> exactly. Trust me, knowing uh, who like, did the, knowing who did the story in the script, when you watch it, there's a lot of lingering on young females throughout the entire thing. It makes you uncomfortable. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's um because there's multiple characters who are guilty of overly pressuring young women into taking their clothes off in this movie. I mean, and one that just hero. spies on them in the shower. The yeah, the quote finger uh, quote fingers hero of the movie is uh, a menacing peeping tom pervert. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if being a peeping tom makes you a pervert by eighties standards. I mean, I mean, come on, that's George how... George George McFly was a hero at the end of the Back to the Future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's weird watching a movie from this era because, like, when everybody's yelling at him for being a peeping Tom, I'm kind of like, it's an 80s movie, man. Can you blame him for being a peeping Tom? I don't know. Wasn't that socially acceptable in the 80s, according to the other movies I've seen? No, I think it was also considered bad back then. It was just bad oh, and no. funny. It, it, uh, I talked yeah. with a friend of mine who had seen Porky's for the first time a couple months ago. And we were talking, oh, yeah. we were talking about the scene where they go spy on the girls in the shower and the girls find it funny. Like they're laughing about it the entire time. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure like everybody would be super pissed that somebody was peeping on them in the shower. Listen, we're going to have a lot more of this discussion in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, no, I mean, there's, but there's all sorts of stuff going on in this movie where you're like, like, obviously Glazer's a douchebag, but also that girl keeps leading him on. And then when he finally does like convince her to have sex and they do, and it's like not great. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. You, I don't even know the polite way to say this, but she's openly mocking him to his face. He's like literally still inside her. It's like, come on, that's just mean at that point. Like, I'm not saying the guy wasn't a douchebag, but come on. Like, you don't have to pretend you liked it, but you don't just like, like, let him get off you before you go. Is that it? Like, God damn. That's some harsh shit to do to a teenage boy. It's like his first time out. Yeah, just pulled some bad memories out for Doug, apparently. No. What's what's the other one? I mean, the first uh, camp murder basically boils off of a dude talks a chick into skinny dipping with him. And oh, then yeah. he gets heavy handed and she's like, no, fuck you. And goes off. He's like, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> that is such an 80s movie moment. The idea that this guy is like, we should go have sex in a lake. And she's like, no way. 
And then he's like, well, we'll just take our clothes off and go out into the lake then and not have sex. And she goes, oh, okay. And then, then they wander out there naked. And then she's like, I can't believe he's trying to use this as an opportunity to have sex with me. <laughs> like only in an 80s movie does this happen where it's like she's shocked that he's like, like thought that he was going to get laid when they were both naked together in the middle of the lake. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I see where he's coming from thinking that, you know, at that point he thinks he's won the argument. <laughs> I also think, you know, don't do that to girls. <laughs> don't pressure them into doing yeah. that. The whole thing is like, it's like, there's no, don't, don't be a teenager in the eighties. Yeah. Oh. Well, not in a movie anyway. I imagine teenagers in the eighties were a lot better than teenagers are depicted in movies in the eighties. I'm not a hundred percent sure that's true. Listen, I guess if you were a teenager in the eighties, are you like a boomer now? Cause then you're probably a terrible person. No, you wouldn't be though. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I think, I think that you'd be a Gen Xer. Yeah. But I mean, that's so, not so bad. So the weird thing I read, why well, uh, weird subjective, I guess, but the thing I read about this specific scene is that girl was like a, penthouse playmate or something and really did did not want to get naked and walk around for this for this scene or whatever and so they kind of had a coax her and be like well you said you you know we told you there was nudity you said you were gonna do it blah 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 but then apparently the girl that got topless in the shower that glazer's going after was just like oh yeah i'll get naked whatever i don't care I feel like they maybe should have swapped swapped characters. I mean, I'm well, kind of had, had to get naked. I I feel like the the contracts for nudity in movies is such a weird nebulous area that I wouldn't want to have to deal with it. But I kind of get all the arguments that a woman has the the right to revoke her consent to get naked. Sure, but she. The person making the movie should also have the right to f- then fire that person because they're not doing the thing they agreed to do. And that's that's what's yeah. in the movie. It's messed up, though, because then you'd be like halfway through a movie. A character would just have to disappear because. I don't know. You just hire someone it, else. It, it's a real tough. Got to reshoot. Yeah, I don't. It's a real tough situation. I like I don't. I don't want to be the guy that says, like, well, if you signed up to do nudity then too fucking bad but on the other hand if you're a playmate and that's how you got into the fucking movie and you knew that's exactly why they hired you it's kind of a jerk move to change your mind later like i don't know yeah it's not weird. good all around it's honestly like it's it's almost like the the scene where like the girl goes into the lake with the guy in the movie is like a metaphor for what we're talking about now <laughs> it's like well yeah she has a right to say no but if you're going to say no, maybe don't take your clothes off and swim out to the guy and then say no. And similarly, yeah, There's, a girl, an actress always has the right to refuse to do nudity, but maybe then don't sign on to the movie that clearly has nudity in the script. The, like, the, the lady nudity in this is funny, too, because they have those god-awful 80s tan lines where, like, the, the chick who goes <laughs> swimming naked in the lake, she, don't get me well, wrong, beautiful girl, right? But she has got the whitest, pastiest ass in the rest of her skin so dark. <laughs> it's, it is the 80s tan lines are in full effect in this movie. There's no denying that. Yeah. 
her, the other ass, thing is her ass is the equivalent is just... of like a reflector on the back of a bicycle. <laughs> I like that when uh, anytime there's a character who weighs about one and a half pounds more than the ideal body weight, those guys got to wear a shirt when they swim too. It's like, <laughs> oh, you like that's Jason Alexander. Yeah. Who's probably in the best shape of his life, but he's like, nah, I got to wear the shirt. But you do have the opposite where Fisher Stevens is like a toothpick and is also wearing mm-hmm. a shirt. So he has the opposite problem. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. It's, it's anybody who's a less than ideal body type gets a shirt yeah. on when they go in the water. Yeah. And it's, I noticed with the guys, it's shirt. If they, if they're less than ideal with the girls, it's, they go from bikini to one piece. If they're less than ideal. <laughs> Because there is a wide variety of people in this movie, which is weird. Like, it's not all pretty teenagers. It is, you know, Jason Alexander types in the background and nerdy guys and overweight girls. And I don't know if that's by design. I would argue Jason Alexander was a surprisingly attractive young man for what he (laughs) metamorphosized into (laughs) before all of his hair fell out the next like five years. Listen. We all know that Hollywood attractive and regular world attractive are different things, right? Like if you look at what a chubby guy is in a movie, it's not what a chubby guy is in real life. (laughs) And that's just how it is. I don't know. Why are we off on this weird tangent about Jason Alexander being Um, chubby or not? We got talked about talking about people wearing their shirts while they're swimming. (laughs) So, uh, Here's here's the thing. So there, obviously, these movies are going to be difficult to talk about for one reason, and especially this one, in that it's just kind of a parade of kills and everything else is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But when they finally get to the burned out camp, right for the final confrontation, are there mine carts in that shed? Uh, Why are there yeah. mine carts in that? Technically, shed? it's not the burned out camp. It is a, in fact, a mine. Is that what it's supposed to be? But yeah. mines aren't in a shed. Listen, it, I they're know. clearly in a shed. <laughs> I don't Listen, know, but apparently somebody they, does when, say the word mine at some point. <laughs> That's all that matters. Apparently, when they were location scouting in the area that they had already locked down to shoot, they did find an abandoned mine, which that building was part of. And they were supposed to shoot the last scene in a cave. And Tom Savini tells the story. They went, they found this cave nearby. Like, Oh, this is great. They went in, they figured out, okay, this giant sort of area in this cave is where we're going to shoot. They had some like, you know, tied some strings so they could easily, you know, find the, the right path to go to and to find their way out. And like, this would be great. They came back the next day. The entire cave had collapsed right where they were going to shoot. <laughs> well, that would make you poo poo your pants. <laughs> yeah. So then they found, uh, they found this abandoned mine. They're like, does somebody own this? Let's just fucking use it. Yeah, it. It's one of these weird things where it's like, if you watch eighties movies, you would believe that there are just abandoned mines everywhere. And I don't think there's that many abandoned mines just everywhere you go, but they seem to stumble across them a lot in these movies. I I don't know, because we live in the state of Illinois and about three quarters of this entire state has been undermined. There's literally there is literally a mine underneath my house. All right. (laughs) I guess I I don't know that much about mining then. 
you would hear a lot about it, like my my grandma and stuff. I'm like, oh, you go out in the woods, you could fall into a mine shaft and die. So you know, don't go out into the world is what she was telling me. Um, but I never once heard a true story about anybody falling into a mine. Nope. No, but you do have to have things like so in Illinois specifically, when you buy a house, they have to survey your house to see if your house is above um, an area that was mined. And you have to get specific mine subsidence insurance in case the mine beneath your house collapses and destroys your house. Jesus. <laughs> That's funny to me. I also I've never heard of really it happening, bad luck. but it's a thing. Well, you you know what my luck is like, and uh, luckily I don't live in Illinois because <laughs> I can hear about it happening. Well, Doug's house burned down again, then fell into a mine, so there's no possible way for him to rebuild it. <laughs> luckily, we live in the Good yellow it. zone, so the odds of our house falling into a mine is pretty bad. <laughs> Someday we're in the middle of a show, and the whole house is just going to collapse into the mine. <laughs> You're just going to hear me go, oh, shit. There it is. Ah. <laughs> Brian and I'll just think the kitten knocked over the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> eh, no, we'll be back. It'll be fine. Just keep going. <sighs> All right. I, also, I also thought quicksand was going to be a bigger problem than what it ended up being. Yep. I just assumed quicksand was everywhere. As long as you got far enough away from your house, there'd be quicksand. But it turns yeah. out pretty rare. Like, man, you could just walk like 10 feet away from your house and disappear in quicksand. Nobody would ever know. I also always thought there'd be a vine hanging above it that I could grab onto. So I wasn't that worried. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, maybe we should get back on topic a little yeah. more than we are right now. <laughs> no. is, is there anything else to talk about? <laughs> a lot of people get shears in the throat. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a good solid like I don't know, 40 minutes of this movie that is just kids hanging out at camp. And I think it's worth noting how much fun that 40 minutes is. Right. Where nobody's really getting killed. But the difference between a good slasher and a bad slasher is A, the kills are good in this one. But B, like, it's fun to hang out with these kids at camp. Like, I'm loving watching fucking Jason Alexander. Like, he's the the guy that knows how to get things. The like, like Red from Shawshank Redemption. He's that, but yep. for this camp. So he's just delivering porn to people and stuff. And like, the different kids have ordered different porn. And he's got his big bag that he's got to deliver it out of. And people are arguing over what kind of condoms he got them and stuff. <laughs> like, it's all fun to watch. I wanted and, lubricated condoms. These are unlubricated condoms. <laughs> you want lubricated condoms? You get your own condoms. <laughs> I didn't memorize the discussion the way you guys did, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of great move uh, moments besides the killing. I like uh, I like when they shoot Glazer in the ass with that. Uh, I yep. don't know. They call it a pea shooter. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I don't think it's a pellet gun. Like maybe an airsoft gun or something like that. Not sure. Don't know. But it works. Because it fires. It fires a pretty big thing out of it. (laughs) And I'm not sure if they actually shot a stuntman or something. Because you see the impact of that thing hit him in the ass. (laughs) It looks it looks painful. I did like it that was the, 1981. The, uh, they might have just shot a kid. <laughs> like, 
I did like that the big girl was kind of tired of his shit at that point and just pushed him off the raft. They're like, get the fuck out of here. It's all your drama bullshit. I love that. I love when he swims all the way out there. First of all, it's hilarious 80s movie logic because he swims out to this raft where all the girls are. And right away, I'm like, all the girls are out there. They each have their own towel with them. How the fuck did they get out there with dry towels? That doesn't even make sense. Like my, my nitpicky brain won't let that go. And then he's like hitting on the girl in front of all the other girls and she's turning him down and he's getting all embarrassed. And then finally he just gets shot in the ass and pushed in the water. By <laughs> and I'm like, good. That was, that was the perfect scene. I'm really glad that happened. <laughs> that is pointless. Like none of that stuff leading up to when they leave for their overnight canoe trip. None of that matters in any way, but it's just fun. I'm still stuck on Glazer. His name is Glazer. <laughs> Well, what about the fact that like the hero the hero like the camp counselor guy that defends the nerdy kids from glazer is just todd and todd walks around in like head-to-toe denim the entire movie <laughs> i like that the weird reveal at the end of the movie is that like todd was one of the kids that burned the guy and it's like uh, yeah but that's irrelevant what does that have that doesn't have anything to fucking do with it nobody cares yeah, yeah, Todd from Nobody five, from five years before, who looked completely different. <laughs> they didn't just like get him like a different haircut or something. They're like, no, we have no. to get someone five years younger who looks nothing like him. How gr- how great is it whenever Todd hits the guy in the face with the axe? Oh yeah, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So good. Again, yeah, all the Tom- effects in this movie, man. Yeah. Tom Savini was talking because he's the one who does the axe hit in the head. Like for real when they were shooting it. And he specifically built that skull, like the the plaster part of that skull, so that the axe would actually go in further to make it look more gnarly. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, those those eighties practical effects are so fun to watch in this movie. It's I can't oversell how good they are if anyone hasn't seen this movie. They just, age, they age so well too. Yeah, like it's. I honestly think these might be better than the Friday the Thirteenth kills in some ways, just because they're more ridiculous. Because you have that raft attack where it's just a bunch of them happening all at once. Like really great stuff. Uh, I don't know. I was kind of expect. I'll be honest. I was expecting the movie to go a little bit differently. After that first kill, because like I said, when I, once he starts wiggling those scissors around and she's screaming and there's like blood squirting and he's just digging around in her organs with the scissors. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be prowlery. <laughs> you know, we're going into yeah. prowler territory with this one. But most of the kills aren't like that. Oh, no, yeah. That first one's particularly brutal. Well, And I like to think that I don't know why I like to think this, but I like to think that he got out of the hospital and wasn't that concerned about being burned up. And then he's like, well, out of the hospital, I better get a hooker. And then it's because she was like, I don't want to sleep with you. You're all burned. So that's when he's like, I'll kill her. And then I'll go kill all the kids at the camp. But they're not the kids that burned you. I don't fucking care. His, <laughs> his, his burn, his burn face point. is real bad. He's got a horrible butthole yeah. face. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's terrible. And if it were the real world, I would feel really bad for somebody who was burned and had to walk around looking like that. But in a movie, I'm just like, yeah, 
that makes you a slasher. That makes sense. Could you imagine the crossover of uh, Freddy versus uh, <laughs> what's it, what the fuck's his name? Cropsy. Cropsy. In which, you know, Freddy pulls him into his dream and then Freddy pops up and he's like, ha ha ha. Now I'm going to what in the fuck, man? <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, bro. I won't kill you. I'll just let you go. I feel Jesus horrible. Jesus Christ. Let you go. But you shouldn't. If you're going to hire a hooker, you got to warn her about that. Like, <laughs> He's like, I was burned, too. But Jesus, I don't have a horrible butthole mouth. <laughs> I don't know his butthole mouth where we want to move on to the next movie because I don't know how we're topping this. <laughs> well, Noah, why don't you tell us about Sleepaway Camp? Ah, uh, yes, Sleepaway Camp. Uh, Sleepaway Camp is the story of a, a boy and his cousin who go to camp. Uh, the movie starts with us finding out that. Uh, God damn it. What's her name? Why is my brain not working? Angela. Angela. Thank you. That Angela was out on a little boating trip with her, her quote fingers, brother and her dad and his gay lover. As we'll find out <laughs> later. So uh, there's a boating accident. A boat hits their boat, kills the family. Uh, she has to go live with her aunt, who is a doctor. Let's, Let's make sure that we know that she's a doctor because they say that about 30 times. You're going to fucking learn. If anyone hasn't seen the movie, it's not relevant, but they do say it 30 times. It's it's very important that you know it for reasons. For, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely no reason to know it. She yeah. could be a waitress and it would change the plot in no way, but they yeah. do bring it up a lot. So they go to summer camp and uh, by summer camp in this movie, I'm talking like actual summer camp with actual children. That's important to note. <laughs> this is not 30-year-olds yep. pretending to be teenagers so that they can have their titties out all over the place. This is actual children. <laughs> uh, and then people start to die. And uh, it's, I don't know, it, it's kind of weird. This is kind of a genre-hopping movie because it's almost got a giallo-esque element to it where most of the kills are done first person mm-hmm. yeah uh and but then it's got the traditional slashery thing of the kills but the kills aren't just inventive in this one they're like <laughs> some of them are like next level shit like locking a dude in a bathroom stall and then dropping a beehive <laughs> into the yep. stall which god damn it that that may it may be the best kill in a horror movie of all time i'm i'm trying to think of something that tops dropping a beehive into the toilet stall i think important important to note there's no line of dialogue that implies that he's allergic to bees right so i feel it's just a guy that's not allergic to bees but got stung so many times that he died which is insane like in a normal movie that character would be allergic to bees so it would only take a couple of stings to kill him but not in this one. They want it to be meaner than that. Right. And then as the as the whodunit goes, uh, 
I, I, I'm not exactly sure who they're trying to convince you this might be, because it's pretty obvious it's one of the kids from the very beginning. And then it's pretty I, much narrowed down to Angela or her cousin immediately. I, and if I you don't know it's what's Angela down. about 30 minutes into this movie, you're an idiot. <laughs> if you don't know it's Angela when the first kill happens, then it, maybe this is your first horror movie or you're not very bright. Right. Uh, is, the, is the first kill the cook? Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> so the, the pedophile cook who has a giant oh fucking God. the outrageously tall stockpot. What in the fuck yeah. is that thing? It looks like somebody <laughs> took a water heater and cut the top off of it. I've it's worked gonna, in professional yeah. kitchens for a real Listen, long time, and I do not believe that thing exists. <laughs> oh, it it takes a lot of. It takes a lot of boiling water to melt a pedophile. So <laughs> and you need does. a pot that big, and that's all there is to it. Oh, yeah. And I, then the big reveal at the end is it's not Angela who survived the boating accident. It's the brother, and her aunt is just a fucking psycho and has forced him to live as a girl his, <laughs> for, for the last five years or whatever, which is just super fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up and unnecessary. I... It's it doesn't it doesn't serve the plot at all, except to explain why she's so weird about guys showing her any attention. Yeah. And and to well, set up, of course, the end scene of of Angela standing with a bloody knife naked with her weirdly big child dick. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that there's no, there's like no nudity in this uh, movie. And then it's just like, dick. <laughs> yeah. Because they had to go hire an actual 18. It, like the story goes, they hired like an adult and then put a fake head on the adult to make them yeah. look like that. Oh my God. And it's and like, the fake, the fake head is so good. And so uncanny valley at the same time. It's it just it's it really is traumatizing. Like that in that end scene, especially if you saw it as like a young, immature person, you were like, What in the fuck? <laughs> I thought this was all bees and boiled pedophiles. <laughs> and a girl uh, getting fucked to death with a hot hair curler. <laughs> Yeah, like stuff we can enjoy, not this upsetting <laughs> stuff at the end. Uh, 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 which we should point out, there's technically four of these movies, possibly a fifth, depending on how much you want to own the halfway mm-hmm. shot fourth one that didn't get, end up getting finished. Um, but the... Uh, the the whole dick thing never even really factors in ever again. No. Well, and arguably, I just it, as much as as much as I enjoy the sequels, considering them part of the same franchise as this movie is a great disservice to this movie. <laughs> because Sleepaway Camp is a fairly inventive uh, horror movie that's got some some vision and some filmmaking chops behind it. It's, it's, it's weird and it's cheesy and all that kind of stuff, but you can, you can forgive all that for the cool kills and the, uh, the, the, like the kind of way it flows. It's a really good horror movie. 
And then the rest of them are just like cheese fest crap movies, which once again, I love cheese fest crap movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the fact that comparing the two in any way oh, yeah. is wrong. <laughs> like it's so wrong. They're a, they are a different thing. It is the definition of, of uh, cashing in on a name. To, to refer to those other movies as the Sleepaway Camp movies. And that name is Bruce Springsteen's sister. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't think she's ever done conventions, and I don't know why. I feel like people would love to meet her. She's so her Her entire existence in film is just an anomaly. I just don't. I don't fucking, I don't understand how it ever happened. Was she trying to be an actress and she just happened to fall in to it? I don't know. See, multiverses are a big thing now. We need to make a new one with the original Angela and Pamela Springsteen and have them meet up. Listen, we don't. Let's let's all relax. Let's go back to discussing the movie. Let's not create a multiverse in the fucking sleepaway camp universe. We don't need that. Okay. Yeah, we're getting away from ourselves a little bit. I know yeah. it's always my job about, to keep you guys on track, but can we talk about the the pure sexual brutality of that uh curling iron murder? Oh my god. In which it's Dear not god. even shown on screen and it doesn't matter. Like you know what's no. happening and all that kind of stuff and I don't it's that is something Lucio Fulci would have put in a fucking movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it's it's fucked up. Like it's they do the way they show it too. It's like it's surprisingly artistic, if that's the right way to say it. Where it's like they're using the shadows so you can see what's going to happen, but they're not actually showing anything. Because again, we've already established that these are real young people. You you can't show this with young people. Like it's not going to work. And it's like it it in some ways this movie reminds me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre because they don't show the gore. Like they just tell you what's happening and let your brain, you know, you want to picture this, go ahead. And you're like, I don't want to, but you're making me picture it. <laughs> and it's so fucked up. It's very well done. It's very upsetting to watch. And you're just like it is like it's that kind of weird slasher kill where you're like, it's fun to watch characters get killed, but I'm cringing watching this one happen. And I, it, it, it's almost not enjoyable to watch, except for we're sick fucks who watch this kind of movie and find it <laughs> enjoyable. Well, and there's just something there's some kind of a weird juxtaposition of this movie between how brutal the kills and how wily coyote the kills are <laughs> like there's there's something super cartoony about it but not so like boiled pedophile like just dumped a dumped a pot on him you get to see him laying there all burned up screaming that's good stuff because he deserves it like <laughs> and then stung to death by bees in a toilet right <laughs> cartoony but at the same time if you stop and think about it you're like that's way more brutal than anything jason does jason would have like smacked them with a machete and cut their fucking head off not locked them in a room with bees <laughs> well and 
Yeah, I think in some ways that comes down to the fact that the most horrific stuff you see, you don't see, right? Um, the most memorable kills in most horror films are stuff where you didn't see as much as you think you saw. And in this movie, it's like, yeah, we drop bees on a guy and we kind of cut away and we hear him screaming. And then we tell you that he got stung to death by bees. And it's up to the audience to fill that in with their brains. And that's what is the most upsetting thing to do to an audience really is that. And so it's, it's, it's so fucked up. The only way, the only and way it's give, more to give you just a little bit, like they show the edge of his arm all angry and swollen from all the bee stings. But that's all you get. The only yeah. way it would be more upsetting is if that character was played by Macaulay Culkin. Okay. <laughs> yes. But you, you wouldn't have known that when you saw this movie for the first time. You're just using your meta no. knowledge to fill that in. Totally. Yeah, but he needs his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. Yeah, exactly. All right. Nobody wants to cry during this podcast, so we should move on past the dead Macaulay Culkin talk. <laughs> This this movie is one of my favorite insults, and I don't know why. I think it's fucking hilarious because it's just something I never would have thought of. It's when they're playing baseball, and that one guy's like, "Whatever, Ricky, eat shit, died." He's like, "Eat shit and live, Bill." And for some reason, that just like kills me. I'm just like, I guess that would be worse, just eating shit and having to deal with it afterwards. <laughs> It's like, yeah, at least you get to die after. (laughs) Yeah. So this movie is great and problematic. (laughs) It's like a water balloon at Angela. (laughs) It's just 10 minutes of a 10 year old screaming at a roof. It's so fucked up. Well, because there's the there's like trans panic stuff in the movie. And then there's this weird anti-homosexual thing that's going on that I don't I don't quite get what the purpose of it is in the film. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Can I, can I push like, back a little bit? Her dad is gay, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my god. But can I, can I, I want to push back a little bit on this because I, first of all, I don't think the movie is anti-trans because Angela is not a trans individual. She's a person who's been forced to live this life that's like, imagine taking a little boy and calling them a girl when they, it's not like she grew up thinking she, feeling like a woman, but stuck in a man's body. It's more like she was forced to pretend her whole life that she was this raw, right? So the idea that it's anti-trans, I think is incorrect because she's not a trans character. That's I, I use this argument a lot when I'm discussing psycho with people. I'm like, well, but I can't call it anti-trans because Norman Bates isn't a trans person. He's a fucking maniac who thinks he's his, his he thinks he's more than one person. And it's, I'd say the same thing here. It's like, it's not that it's not the horror. Well, isn't that she's dressed as a girl. It's that she's being forced to against her will. Right. For right. her it's, entire it's, life. It's not anti-trans in that she's trans and people are like, that's bad. It's anti-trans in the way that it's a complete misunderstanding and misrepresentation of what that is. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying is I don't think it is a representation of trans at all. I, I think it's com- what's hap- what Angela is, is completely separate from what a trans individual is. Maybe. I don't know. 
And then as the far as the opinions of goes, cis white dudes on important <laughs> social issues. Woo! Now, I, I have comments on the gay element too, though, because I think the gay element is just a flaw in the filmmaking. Because I think conceptually, what the filmmakers were trying to do is when the boy kisses Angela, she has a flashback to two men kissing. And that's where she kind of snaps because she realizes that, oh, two men kissing was what was happening before and it's happening again. And that's what brings her out and causes her to kill that guy and eventually expose herself to everybody else. So I think they were trying to use that as a storytelling technique. And it's just doesn't come across very clearly in the movie. Does that make sense to anybody else? Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. I just find it's a weird thing to include because it doesn't know. So it just doesn't really fit with the rest of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a failure of the film that it doesn't work as well as they wanted it to. I also think it was the early 80s. Just including homosexual stuff in your movies was still kind of transgressive and kind of like it made it feel more icky and more weird which obviously a lot of this movie is trying to do that which i don't think applies today like i don't think you'd put like you wouldn't put two gay characters in a movie now and be like that way the audience will be grossed out like that wouldn't work anymore but i think in 1983 there was a large portion of the audience that would be grossed out by that yeah i can see that pedophilia that part I think still grosses audiences out to this day. They were very successful at grossing me out by having that cook character, like refer to the children as baldies and then <laughs> having the, the worst part of it isn't what he says for me. The worst part of it is like the, all the like air quotes, good guys around him who all chuckle and laugh and are like, Oh, come on. And it's like, no, he's talking about having sex with the children at a, summer camp but like you shouldn't be saying oh come on to that you should be well, calling and the authorities and how, letting him work there anymore how quickly he attempts to uh fuck angela <laughs> has to be an insinuation that he has done this to other kids at this camp i agree and that Gross. other people i'll take it a step further and say other people know he's done it and haven't acted on that information would compliment to the film. <laughs> um, so one of the things about seventies and eighties filmmaking that makes horror films work is when they mess with your brain a little bit and they always make you feel like weird and gross while you're watching the movie. And then they can get away with having the kills that aren't as visually stunning as some of the other movies. And in this movie, I honestly think like all that pedophilia talk followed by later all these scenes of like 12 year old girls running around in bikinis. You feel super fucking awkward watching them. You're like, don't I don't can't they all go put their clothes on? Like it's (laughs) awkward and weird and gross. And you're like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to hear them talking about I don't want to hear the the 14 year old boys talking about the 13 year old girls boobs after I heard the adult cook talk about them. Like it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's not fun anymore. It's gross and weird. And in some ways for a slasher movie that helps the atmosphere that you're going for. I don't know that that's on purpose. I think it's just a thing that happened, but the whole movie, you're kind of just squirming in your seat going, stop it. Like it's gross. It's disgusting. Please don't do that. And 
that helps the overall experience of watching the film in a way that I don't think was intentional. Does anybody else want to get behind me here on my complimenting the film? (laughs) So I'm not the only one saying this. We also, we also have a fantastic character in which we have the mayor from jaws, but in this case, he's just the owner of the camp. He's like, there's murders going on. Cover these murders up and don't tell the children. Yes. Somehow the uh, the clip from Joe Exotic saying, I'm never going to financially recover from this shows up in this movie. <laughs> he's a creepy, gross guy, too, though, because he's like trying to nail all the like camp counselors. And he's like, I don't know, how old is that guy? 70. And all the girls are like 20. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can still get that. And then he he beats the shit out of a little kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But by the time that happens in this movie, you're like, with everything else that's gone on, I don't know, beating up a teenage boy doesn't seem that bad. Uh, I don't know. Does anybody else have anything else to say about Sleepaway Camp? No. It's a fun, Gross like... Gross and icky and weird yeah. and fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. It is a fun uh, camp slasher movie, though. Can't have too many of those. Yeah, well, it's uh, a... It's a but what did Noah say? It's a gender bending or not gender bending. Sorry. A genre bending yeah. movie because it's both a slasher and a giallo. Cause on this podcast, sure. those count as two different genres, but in most <laughs> worlds, those are all kind of the same thing. They are. I, I just don't understand how anyone can say they're the same thing. They are two <laughs> separate things. Listen, or at least a awesome. subset. Maybe a giallo is a subset of slasher films, but but a giallo film is such a specific thing. Listen, listen, I agree with you, and I think everyone here agrees with you. But out there in the real world, people would think you're crazy for saying that. And I just think it's important to note that. Sounds That's like true. we need to have a giallo slash slasher month. <laughs> okay, Ooh. talk me into it. Pairing a slasher with a giallo movie. I yeah. like it. It'll be part of month year. Yeah, month of year. Yeah. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the midnight drive-in at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office.
Uh, has anybody watched anything since last week? Not a goddamn thing. It'll be a short episode. Really? <laughs> Do you guys want me to talk about some things? What did you sure. watch, Doug? I know at least one um, thing you watched about. What's that? We'll just go through. I'll tell you which one. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think of what I've watched. We haven't. Oh, we didn't have that long of a break. You know what I watched? No. I watched that Murderville that you guys were talking about last week. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. We guess you hated it. Did we lose Doug? Doug. Doug tried to say something negative about a Netflix <laughs> show. <laughs> so the internet fucking. <laughs> Netflix is like, nope. Nope. Close nope, nope, the nope. internet. <laughs> Especially to Canada. Yeah. If you, you, am I back? Now you're back. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now we can hear you. Yeah. That time I looked, my internet literally did go down that time, so I can't say anything. <laughs> well, it was it was pretty awesome the way it happened. Yeah. Because you what said yes. Saying, so I so I watched that show on Netflix that you guys recommended, Murderville, and then you just went silent. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's got he's saying bad shit about Murderville. The internet cut him off. Oh, weirdly, my review of it is pretty much silence. I have no opinion. It was like, uh-huh. it was the definition of fine. It was <laughs> like, even it was the like if they Stone made episode. three jokes, like it was the Sharon Stone episode and the Marshawn Lynch episodes were by far the best too. Yeah. Isn't they it fucking out. crazy how fucking funny Marshawn Lynch was? <laughs> no, well, no, cause he's done guest appearances on other stuff and he's a funny guy. And so it's not that surprising to me. I didn't know who, but, no idea who he was. Like he, he's a football player, but he's done. Like yeah, well, I knew other, that, like, but like, like he's never like, he's not an actor. He plays Marshawn Lynch who shows up in a couple of like comedy. He was on the league at one point for like an ep, like uh, not even an episode, like a few minutes, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff, but he's always funny. So I'm not shocked to find out that he's funny, but I mean, overall, the show was extremely mediocre. Like, I give it half the stars out of however many stars there are kind of thing. It's like, I can't believe how non-funny some of the people were and how it weirdly, like, a guy like Ken Jeong didn't seem committed to the improv. And I'm like, but he's... Like, he seems so committed to everything else he does comedy-wise. It's weird that on on these improv scenes, he just seems to not be into it. And I'm like, well, that's not fun then. You know what I mean? So I thought he was uh, kind of not good just because he would break at everything. Yeah. Which I think it go a little, goes along with what you're saying. So, yeah, he wasn't trying to like stay in character. Whereas I feel like Conan was trying real hard, but still being Conan. So it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Conan is just naturally funny. If he's on yeah. TV, you're going to, you're like, I'm inherently laughing the minute I see his face. I don't know what it is <laughs> about that guy. And it's, I just liked the, the end bit where they have to make their stab at who did it. And Conan goes on this whole rant about why he thinks it was this one person. And it just, it has nothing to do with any of the actual clues. <laughs> See, I didn't, I guess I didn't enjoy that because I feel like either this is a game show where you're trying to actually win or it's just stupid comedy bits, in which case, why are we even trying to have them guess? 
And I feel like that's where maybe I say the show's mediocre is because they tried to walk that line between the two. And I didn't it didn't work for me. I don't know. Like I say, three and a half out of seven stars or whatever you want to give it. Like it right down the line. Like if you have nothing else to do, sure watch it. But could have been worse, I guess. Yeah, like I finished it, but then it's like it's not hard to finish. Like I I watched it on my breaks from work with working from home. So it's like took a couple days to make it through all the episodes. Which probably implies that I take too many breaks, so edit that out. <laughs> but <laughs> well, what's your kid think of you it? You know, well, I know I didn't watch it with my kid. Oh, see, that's what you're missing. You know what I watched with my kid? This is what? you might you. I watched uh, Infinity War with my kid. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So I watched Civil Civil War and then Infinity War. And those two don't so, go together. Hmm? So those two don't they go kinda, together. They kind of do, because I needed him to understand why Captain America and Iron Man weren't speaking at the beginning of Infinity War. So I I made him watch a a two-and-a-half-hour movie to, like, understand that, right? For some reason, Uh, I was thinking uh, Civil War and Endgame. I'm like, you're missing out on a big part in the middle. But no, you you were correct. I misunderstood. So, But yeah, so... First, I made him watch like two of his favorite superheroes punch each other half to death, <laughs> and then I'm like, "But, but Spider Man wasn't in that one. You want to watch one with Spider Man in it?" And then he dies at the end. But you know, Spider Man was in Civil War. Oh, sorry, he was briefly in it. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, but he wasn't in the final punch up scene. It's true. But I had, I had, I actually had shown him Endgame previously. And that was by design where I'm like, let's watch the game, the movie where Spider-Man comes back and then we'll show you the movie where Spider-Man disappears because <laughs> kids only five. And like, I almost cried the first time Spider-Man disappeared. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't do that to him. Right. Like I need to make sure he understands that Spider-Man's coming back before I show him that scene because it's still oh. hard to watch. Maybe he would have understood it better than some of the people I saw in game. <laughs> they were in the theater with me. Cause wow. it's st- still that scene where everybody comes back and then Spider-Man comes swinging. And everybody's like, Oh yeah. And I'm just like, what did you think he wasn't coming back? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was super fun to watch those movies with a kid who doesn't understand, doesn't have internet spoilers and doesn't, uh, just gets to watch all that shit happen for the first time. Yeah. And he's like, it's pretty fun to watch, but me and Amanda keep talking about just taking like a weekend day and just watching infinity war and then Endgame, like one right after the other. Mm-hmm. We haven't, we haven't done it yet. It's, it's a long day, man. Like you may want to do a Saturday, Sunday and watch one each day or something. I don't know. See one time <laughs> me and some friends of mine, Spent an entire day starting at like 9 a.m. watching the extended editions of Lord of the Rings all the way through. Mm-hmm. That was like a 15 hour day. That was a long day. Yeah. I've heard of people doing that. Six hours I could probably do pretty. <laughs> Look at you act like it's an endurance run. I could sit there for six hours. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, just something happens on the screen in front of me. <laughs> I could do it. Yeah. I'm saying I'm professional. Uh, what else yeah, did you watch? You guys want to know what else I watched? Or, um, you want to know something that I watched that ended up being kind of depressing? 
<laughs> There's a lot of so ways I watched, I go with uh, this, but yeah. I watched the Defiant ones from 1958. Oh, so okay. Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. Um, I don't know if anyone hasn't seen. Did, did we do the remake on the podcast? Or did I just watch that on my own? You just watched that on your own. Did I? Okay. It, it doesn't really matter. Like... I mean, the, anyways, the thing is, the story is, it's a story of like hope and togetherness. It's two guys, one black, one white. It's the fifties. So it's like the civil rights era. And they basically escape from prison together, chained together. And the whole movie is them running through the woods, you know, and the message is kind of, you know, it's easy to hate each other from a distance, but spend some time chained together. Eventually you're going to start to like each other. And it, it sort of ends with both of them making certain sacrifices to protect the other one kind of thing. Um, which is a nice tale. The problem is when you watch it today, it's real depressing because it's like, first of all, there's like a scene in it where they're arguing about race relations and the white guy is doing the thing where he's like, yeah, but if you call me a name, that's the same thing as me calling you a name. And then like you got Sidney Poitier being a great actor speaking to the camera going like, no, you see, it's different because people who called me that name would then like string me up from trees and stuff. And you're like, see, see why it's different and see how we've known why it was different for 60 years. And people are still having the same argument over and over again. (laughs) It's so depressing to watch it. It's just like, Oh, why haven't we learned anything since this movie came out? And then there's like, there are scenes in this where it's like, there's a sheriff who's like trying to be, kind of a humanitarian towards these guys. And he's like, don't shoot them. Our job is to arrest them. And like, don't bring the dogs that would bite them. And then people are like, you know, you're in an elected position around here. You might want to take a little bit more of a hard stance on these guys or else uh, you might not find yourself with a job anymore. And I'm like, are we discussing how political corruption leads to tough on crime tactics that are not designed to work, just designed to get people elected in the 1950s? And are we still having that debate today? It's so depressing. It's like, why has nothing changed? It's so frustrating. And you're just watching the movie going like this. It's outstanding performances from the two lead actors. Granted, 1958 acting. So take from that what you will. It's a really neat story about these guys coming together and you get to watch these two guys that hate each other, kind of learn to love each other. And it ends with this like, beautiful moment of them together I don't, like it literally ends with they meet up this woman and she sends the Sidney Poitier character off to basically to certain death and the Tony Curtis character who has supposedly hated this guy the whole movie is like what the fuck did you do and he's like he slaps her around a bit which isn't totally cool <laughs> but <laughs> then her like her kid like shoots him so now he's like been injured but he still runs off to save the Sidney Poitier character. And then Sidney Poitier is like manages to jump on this train that they've been running towards this whole movie. And Tony Curtis in his injured state can't make it up there. So Sidney Poitier jumps off the train to kind of be with him. And as the, the cops that have been chasing this whole movie finally close in, they're like sitting there together, just like defeated, but they've decided to kind of like 
they both sort of sacrificed their potential freedom in order to protect the other guy. And it's this really nice moment of like, like I say, the message of like, it's easy to hate from a distance, but you put these two people together and you see how easy it is for them to, to kind of start to care about each other and surpass all this racial tension and everything. And you're like, but that message just never sunk in apparently because they remade this movie in the eighties and it was still poignant. And I'm watching it now thinking so much of this stuff still applies to today's discussions about race and it's frustrating, but a really good movie. Yeah. Way to make me feel terrible. Thanks Doug. I mean, (laughs) there's also a lot of like Bugs Bunny cartoons that parodied this movie where it's just a dog and a cat handcuffed together and they Mm. can't get along. And the, those are probably the more fun way to go. If you're looking for a fun way to enjoy this movie, <laughs> that's my advice. Look for the Looney Tunes version. But the, the thing is like the race stuff. I was like prepared for that to not be when they started talking about the like corruption of the like elected sheriff and like how it's like, well, you know, if you don't, uh, if you don't call in the national guard and hunt these boys down and maybe kill them a little bit, then you won't get it reelected. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> That's frustrating that, there were, that people knew this was wrong back then and they're still doing it today. Yeah, I've never watched that one. I don't think I've seen a lot of I don't think I've seen a lot of Sidney Poitier movies. I should probably correct that at some point. Honestly, this might be the only one I've ever seen. And whenever someone brings up Sidney Poitier to me, I always go back and watch this movie because it's really fucking good. And mm-hmm. It is one of those things where you're like, you're right. I should see more movies with this guy in them because he is this like, I don't know, like he's iconic, right? Like he's really well known, but he's from an era when we didn't watch that much. I always wanted to watch In the Heat of the Night. Is he in that one? Yeah, I think he is. There's a big um, scene where he slaps a white guy and it was a big controversial scene back in the day. Yeah, because I think like because they made that into a TV show at some point, but he wasn't yeah. in the TV show. And yeah. I think I've I've seen like a number of episodes of the TV show because my parents used to watch it because mm. it's the '80s and anything with a police officer or a lawyer in it, my parents watched. So, <laughs> <laughs> which means I've seen every episode of Matlock like three times. But you know, good old Matlock. Not not relevant to the current discussion. Mm. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Yes. Or Better Call Saul is what I actually meant. No. I want to watch Better Call Saul. I've seen the first season. Yeah. But I I want to watch the rest of it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I don't remember if if it was that season or not, but he comes up with a genius idea to advertise during Matlock or in Murder, She Wrote for... uh, to be an old person lawyer i feel like that's not that season that i've seen yeah there's like a big thing where he's just like no i'm becoming a lawyer that caters to old people i gotta i gotta advertise during matlock and murder she wrote <laughs> that feels right it feels like it would work yeah if he does he get a suit that's just like matlock suit uh yes he does because famously, Matlock always wore the same suit. Because then he starts going to pull the bingo numbers for the people at the rest home, and he's wearing his Matlock suit. That's perfect. <laughs> That's the right move. <laughs> All right. What else you got? All right. So, you guys, one of the last thing I watched. 
Yeah, I think it was the one I was referencing at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, so I watched the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that you warned me about last week. <laughs> but I was already pot committed. I had already watched the original. Yeah. And uh, How was like, it? It's, well, it's not good at all. <laughs> That's what you're asking. <laughs> um, it seems to see lots of people posting like, man, what a piece of shit. And I'm like, yeah. I could have told you that. Did you watch the goddamn trailer? Look fucking terrible. No, I didn't watch the trailer. You know I didn't watch the trailer. We talked about this last week. <laughs> well, that's on you. Oh, man. It's, how can I put it? Like, the idea isn't terrible. The idea is that there's like this small town, Harlow, Texas, that is like 99% abandoned. And these like young hipster kids from Austin are going to come in and they're going to like, buy up the town and turn it into this little oasis where it's going to be like art galleries and a hipster shit. Right. And that's the whole, that's the whole idea is that this busload of people are coming there. They're all potential investors that are all going to bid on all these things that have been foreclosed on by the bank. So the bank owns like basically this whole town. Right. And then of course, Leatherface is living in one of the fucking houses and they chase away his like the, woman who's been caring for him and by chasing her away they unleash Leatherface. Okay. Uh, conceptually it's a slasher sequel. I'll take it, right? Like that's all fine. But there's so much dumb shit in this movie, man. Like from the first movie and they say you like, cut, "Oh, you cut out. I couldn't hear you." Mm-hmm. You oh, cut out something something in the first movie. I didn't hear what the they bring back the Sally character. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Who's a survivor from the first movie. Who, so who weirdly dresses like Jamie Lee Curtis from the 2018 yes. Halloween movie. And okay. They, and they're doing the same thing. They're doing the, she spent years looking for this guy and she's finally found him in this movie, but she's not a main character in the movie. They, she's like discussed in the background. Like they show, like literally show headlines of her and then they have a conversation about how she searched for him for years and never found him. And they use the dumbest line of dialogue imaginable. They actually say this. They're like, well, he was wearing a mask and it's hard to find a guy when you don't know what he's looked like. Which to me implies that Sally went around for 40 years and she just kept finding giant hillbilly cannibals. But being like, I can't, I don't know if it's him or not because I never saw his face for real. <laughs> <laughs> Like, as if you're going to find Leatherface and go, oh, I don't know if that's Leatherface or not, because he had a mask on last time. It's fu- like, what the fuck, right? <laughs> and But the worst thing is, like, she's not a character in the movie. She, like, shows up, and she's in the movie for, like, ten minutes. And, like, for obvious reasons, they can't use the actress from the original, because I believe she passed away. And it's like, so... What are we doing here then? Like, if she's not the main character, why have her in it? Other than the fact that you happened to watch Halloween 2018 and thought, oh, that's a good idea. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's annoying as shit. And then they have the dumbest moment I've seen in movies in a long time. They've been implying that she's been hunting this guy for like 50 years, right? Like it's or whatever it's been, 48 years since the events of the original She's alone in a room with him, holding a gun, standing there, talking about how I'm going to shoot you. 
And then he gets up and walks out of the room. <laughs> and that's how that scene ends. Like, that's it. <laughs> he just goes and kills some other people. And then she shows up like she's going to save those other people. Why the fuck didn't you shoot him then? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, uh, and it's just, it's utter. And it's, uh, it's just insulting. And then they like, ah, uh, it's frustrating. The whole thing is frustrating. There's no characters in the movie. Like nobody that can be accurately described as a character. They're all just people that exist. There's no good storytelling. There's, there is some decent gore. There's a couple of good kills and I'll grant it that there's, you know, we see where he gets his new mask and we get to watch him do that. It's okay. But it's like, those are YouTube clips, not a movie. Like in 2022, I'm not going to watch a whole movie for a couple of good kills. That's what the eighties were for. Now, I expect you to at least do a decent job of making either make your movie fun to watch or make it good. Those are your two options. Now you don't get to do this shit where there's a couple of good moments and I'm supposed to sit through an hour and a half to see 45 seconds of good screen time. So it's just annoying as hell and a lot of like just illogical shit. And like, there's a point where he breaks, like he breaks into a wall and his chainsaw is like hidden behind the wall. And then he just pulls it out and it just works still. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like your chainsaw has been in the wall for 48 years and now it just starts up on like the third pull. Like everybody's chainsaw starts on the third pull. Nobody's chainsaw starts on the first try. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just, stuff like that is, I can't get my head around it. And there's no explanation. Like he's living in this like house in this abandoned town with this like old lady. And she used to run like an orphanage out of that house, but, Obviously not anymore. There's no kids there or whatever. How did he get there? And how, why is she looking after this like grown man? If she runs an orphanage, none of that's explained. Like at least try, at least try to explain that shit, but they just didn't. It very frustrating to watch this movie. You know, like if you had just said Leatherface lived in a shack in the woods somewhere by himself for 48 years, I'd be like, okay, that's enough. Like, I, I would take that. <laughs> like, But you introduce, like, oh, this woman was watching him over. Then now I want to, like, oh, how did she come to start watching him over? And I've even seen interviews with, like, the writers where they don't, they're like, oh, yeah, somehow he ended up there. It's like, well, that's not, no. That's, you're the fucking writer. You don't get to say <laughs> somehow he ended up there. It's your job to tell me how he ended up there. Yeah. So. Seems like I had heard or maybe just read a headline somewhere. That apparently they purposely kept it vague how he ended up there so they could say, well, technically any of the previous Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels still could have happened for blah, 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 blah. And look, this is the kind of bullshit that people used to get away with in direct-to-video sequels in the 90s that you can't get away with today. (laughs) We live in a world now where it's like you don't get to just be like ah maybe it's part of it maybe people won't remember because you haven't seen the original in a long time and it's like no in the streaming world we've all watched the original last week before we watched this one like if we wanted to you know and it's you don't get to do that now you don't get to do that like the world has as filmmaking has evolved beyond that point of being able to get away with just ah you know maybe the other sequels happened maybe they didn't you don't know it's like you can't do that. Either they happened or they didn't. And it's clearly implied here that they didn't. 
Well, then I want to know what Leatherface has been up to for 48 years. He hasn't just been sitting in this basement the whole time. That doesn't make any sense. It's, I don't know. It's all very frustrating. <laughs> so, and yeah. I mean, even the, the portrayal of Leatherface himself is just like, first of all, like every kill is now done with the chainsaw. Once he gets the chainsaw out of the wall and it's like, well, that's not really what Leatherface was like in the original. And like once he starts killing in this, he doesn't stop. And there's uh, there's literally a busload of people that get killed in this movie because Leatherface walks in the front door of the bus and none of them can figure out how to go out the back door. So it's like a party bus where they're having like a rave on it because that's how dumb this movie is, is that they're having a rave on a bus. And he just literally just starts walking through and cutting everybody up like he's fucking Vader walking down that hallway in Rogue One. And it's like, but that's... It was awesome when Vader did it. This isn't what Leatherface is supposed to do, right? Like, when you look, go back to that original movie, Leatherface killed people who showed up at his house. He didn't go out looking for people. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then they tried to do a stupid joke where all the dumb millennials in the, or maybe Gen Zers or whatever they are in this movie, I'll pull out their phones and try to film Leatherface. And it's like, but now is not the time for a joke. Now is the time for Leatherface to kill 30 people. We don't do a joke in the middle of that <laughs> or else the kills are ineffective. Yeah. They actually showed that part of the trailer. Maybe if I'd watched the trailer, I wouldn't have watched the movie then. <laughs> if I'd seen that scene first, maybe I wouldn't have watched the movie. You make a move, bro. You're canceled. And then. <laughs> yeah. The millennials yeah. getting sliced Somebody up. fucking yeah. said. Somebody says that in this movie. Oh, shit. And the weird mm-hmm. thing is it has this weird, like, messaging to it, too, where all the, like, douchey, like, you know, liberal city kids are actually the bad guys, almost like the good guys are the, like, the Texans with their guns and shit. But then the ultimate representation of that would be that Leatherface is actually the good guy. <laughs> and that you guys all deserve to be killed for coming into his little town and fucking it up. But... That can't be the message of the movie, can it? Like, Leatherface can't be the good guy in your movie. I don't think that's how it works. So what was the point of all that setting up that contrast between these liberal city kids coming out to this small town and all that, you know? It's just annoying. Don't watch the movie if you haven't seen it. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry I watched it. Luckily, I don't have, like, a deep emotional connection to Texas Chainsaw. Like, the first two films are fine. Like, I enjoy them well enough. But, uh, yeah, as soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, no, no, thank you. Well, I'm trying, I was trying to think about the series as a whole. Cause I also like, if you, if you guys follow the midnight drive in on Instagram, you know, I, like I reposted something where it's like, because the timeline has gotten so fucked up, people have been doing memes of like, how do you follow which movies to watch and all that. And it's like going through the list. It's like the first movie I think is great. And then it's like, I don't know what's next. Like, it's like part two is <laughs> the next good one, but it's such a drop off. It's not close. It's then, a completely like, different type of movie. Yeah. And then you have like the remake series, which I actually think is pretty good. Like, again, it's its own thing, but I actually do think the remake series is pretty good. Enjoyed the remake. It didn't. I don't remember much about the beginning. I, I don't know. I, it's been a while since I saw it, so I don't want to say too much. But I remember liking it a lot more than I expected to. I remember going into it thinking I would be disappointed, and then not being disappointed. 
If anything, I think I, I might enjoy it just because you get to watch more of Arlie Ermey in the movie. And he's always fantastic. Yeah. So they get chopped off in that movie, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, somebody's legs get somebody's legs get chopped off and it's fun. Yeah. But I mean like all like then and I don't know, like it's weird. It's like because they sort of did that they call it like in the meme that I'm currently staring at, they call it the reboot timeline where they made like a prequel and a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And those both sucked. Like it's, <laughs> it's like how hard is it to make a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre that doesn't suck? I don't get it. It doesn't seem like it should be super hard. It literally is just, Oh shit. Our vehicle broke down here in this small town in Texas. Well, better call a tow truck, pull out your cell phone. Ah, oh, no reception. Well, that sucks. Let's go up and knock on this house up here. And then people start dying. Like, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard. Oh, God, Brian. If only Hollywood would hire you and your genius inventive <laughs> idea for a sequel to this movie. So out of the box and so original. No. And, oh, fuck. I but, just don't know. Like, but, are they like, well, we can't just have the same movie. It's like... Have you watched the Friday 13th movies? They literally put out the same movie five years in a row and people went to all of them. Yeah. Cause they were awesome. <laughs> they Like, ah, I just, I don't get it. Cause even when you go back and watch, like, remember we did part three on the podcast at one point and it's like, well, that was the fun. We just, again, it is kind of just the same movie, but we invented having like Charles Sutton in it or whoever it was. Was it Charles Sutton in that or was it Ken Forey? doesn't matter. It's one of those two. Those guys are kind of those, those two I feel are somewhat interchangeable unless they're in their iconic roles. Um, I believe it was Ken Forey. Was it? Okay. It makes more sense because he's the better stunt casting for that movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's a, I find like, yeah, like you just put like we're gonna give this guy that looks like he could be an opponent to Leatherface, and then he won't really be, and then the Survivor Girl will be the only one that gets away, and you just you just keep doing that. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't know. It's so frustrating. Again, yeah. it doesn't seem that hard. Like the family moves, they establish themselves in a new area for some reason that you can write a reason for or not. You give them a couple of new family members in each movie to keep things fresh. And then you just have groups of teenagers show up. Really not hard. I don't know. What if we change it up? Take a Boy Scout troop. They're camping out in the middle of the woods. They run into Leatherface. See, that's a different movie. Yeah, still, totally. still awesome. You didn't have to change anything. Yeah, like, well, to be fair, in that movie, it would be completely different because instead of having to go to, to their cell phones, you would have a scene at the beginning of the movie where some scout trooper was like, no technology in the woods and took all their phones from them. So it's yeah. a very, very different movie. You see, and then it would be great because once, uh, once they're like, fuck, we have to fight back against this leather face guy. You have all the boy scouts start setting uh, homemade booby traps in the middle of the woods. See? Oh, I love it. See, let's give out top of my head. You know what? Fuck all this. Now I want those Boy Scouts to be the main characters who travel around in a multiverse type way and fight all the different horror nice villains yeah. by setting they like they're like we took care of Leatherface now off to Crystal Lake. And that's like the 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 post credit <laughs> scene is them like packing up, going next stop, Crystal Lake. And they, it's like we're going to camp. 
But then it's a, it turns out it's a swerve. They don't make it to Crystal Lake because they have to stop in Springwood because the van breaks down. And they all start having weird nightmares. See? Yeah. See, we just came up with a franchise, Doug. I, don't, I just don't even get it. <sighs> all right. Well, is that the last, the last thing you watched? I think after I watched that, might be the last thing I watch ever. <laughs> Which is obviously an exaggeration because I'm probably going to watch a movie tomorrow, but that's not the point. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't really watch a whole lot. Uh, what I did watch is we caught up with the the first half of the last season of Ozark, and uh, it was pretty okay. fantastic. Um, this is still somewhat new. I won't go too far into it, but the last episode... The last 15 minutes, there's lots of me and Amanda sitting on the couch just going, oh, fuck. And then, you know, watching that's what everyone tells out. me about it. Yeah. So it was really good. really enjoyed it. Looking forward to whatever the last part of the last season's going to bring. Uh, the other thing I watched, which is not really reviewable, is me and Amanda decided yesterday we needed something funny. So we went and saw Jackass Forever. And if okay. you, want, you want to see a lot of genital torture, this is definitely the movie for you. Okay. <laughs> it did get to a point where I'm like, this whole movie is just genital torture. I think I'm kind of over that part of Jackass. I think I just want to see people, you know, going down slides and not landing on anything. I think that's better. But well, apparently. I think. Um there came a point where they were like, we can't hit each other in the head anymore. So we have to <laughs> concentrate on the other area where we can constantly be hitting each other. But they can, because they just introduced like five new people. So they now have a new class of jackass people. And I don't know if it works as well. Is it like a pass the, uh, pass the torch kind of scenario? Do you think? Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe not that dramatic, but let me put it this way. A lot of the originals don't do as much as you would think they would in this movie. Um, the, what was it? Danger Aaron and Dave England. Those, those two original guys seem to do a lot more than they had in the past ones. And okay. Steve-O and Party Boy, Chris Pontius, do surprisingly little about the entire movie. Okay. Steve-O's I involved. Steve-O, but I think he got sober, so that makes me feel yeah. like maybe he realized maybe a lot of the shit he was doing was yeah. not a great idea. He does get a, a, a swarm of bees put on his crotch. You know, like, like skin to bee, like nothing in between situation um and it was pretty impressive it was like one of those uh beard bead of beer a beard of bees situation but only on his dick but then uh you know you get you're sitting in a movie theater and he's like oh man i got stung a lot and then of course giant close-up of his ball sack with bee stingers sticking out of it so you know it's just like jesus christ but then it's a lot more yeah. new people doing stuff and i feel like it's because the old jackass stuff felt like oh these guys are all best friends and they're just doing stupid shit and it's kind of funny 
And I feel like you don't get as much of that in this just because I don't even think the original guys even talk to each other that much anymore. I mean, for sure, all the Bam Margera stuff that's been coming out past year. But yeah, like I heard somewhere that Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville weren't getting along before the movie started and they kind of made up while they were making the movie. And so it's just kind of a. Yeah, I can. I can see what you're saying. Like the idea of if it's a group of buddies doing wacky shit to each other. That's more interesting than like a bunch of stuntmen trying weird shit to get, you know, attention. Yeah. And then, you know, they point out that they're bringing all these new people in. So, I mean, it's not even just like, hey, these guys are our friends and we're now going to bring them in, too. It's just like, it's almost like a corporate jackass where it's like, oh, we're bringing in some fresh blood to do crazy shit in our weirdly branded yeah. way of doing stuff. So, like, you know, this is what it is. It's not like I was going for some sort of deep viewing experience, but there's just a weird part of it that seems to be missing. And, yeah, I don't know. That's what happens when people get too famous, I guess. Yeah, well, and I, like I say, I think some of it is just, I know Knoxville did some interviews where he's like, I can't get hit in the head anymore. Like, no. I, I've, I've suffered enough damage where it's like, I can't be a human being if i take one more hit to the head so <laughs> and you and like, uh you specifically see the stunt that made him get to that point in this one which was the bull thing again yeah so he yeah, gets like, tossed and does like a three okay. like three spins in the air and then lands on his head comes out with a broken wrist broken rib and a concussion so yeah and there does come a point where you're like i, I can't keep doing that man <laughs> you're gonna get no. dead and it's like it's, you don't really don't want to spend the last like i don't know how old these guys are probably 50 ish now mm-hmm. like you could have 30 years of your life left you want to be like a vegetable for 30 years <laughs> for one more hit movie yeah well it's you know it's jackass if you're if you're like waiting for it to hit streaming or whatever like sure be fine yeah. there's some that's fun that's, stuff in it but i mean it's not uh not gonna blow your mind or nothing but i like i i will probably watch it when it hits streaming and i'll probably oh, laugh sure. a few times mm-hmm. i have nothing negative to say about the jackass as a franchise i think yeah i saw i saw one quote that said like you know say what you want but you could take jackass back like a thousand years and show it to people and they would laugh or take it a thousand <laughs> years in the future and show it to people and they will laugh. Like it doesn't matter. It's universal. Yeah. It's hard to argue that it's not funny, but at the same time, I can understand why it's not for everybody. Yeah, no, I'm totally on board. I always loved all the jackass stuff and I still enjoyed this, but there is just a weird like thing by the time it's over. You're like, yeah, but I just, there was something missing in this and I don't know what it is. And it's not even just that Bam's not in there. Cause that's not that big of a deal, but there's just some weird camaraderie type thing that's missing from it. But it's jackass. What are you going to do? Um, Hey, let's do something that I've kept forgetting to do for the past, like two episodes. Uh, we actually have a piece of feedback. What's that? Oh, really? Yeah. So somebody commented on the website for our 200th episode so Daniel said, hey, guys, congratulations on making it to 200 episodes. I heard of the last Horrorcast from the Horror Etc. podcast and then came came here when both of them ended. Now that it's back, any chance of a crossover? Meaning us and Horror Etc. 
Oh, I don't think they want us on their show. You completely cut out, so I have no idea what you said. I said that puts a lot of pressure on me if, I, if we're trying to cross over with horror, etc. Yeah, I mean, Doug's got to talk to Tony. They're too fancy for well, us. We're down here in the dregs. <laughs> I mean, for the record, I can talk to you to those guys anytime I want. I just don't know if I can get them to do it on mic. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I meant. Uh, it would be cool I, to do a crossover show. I, I would personally enjoy it, but I don't know that it's likely. Probably not. Seems like uh, Ted and Tony are very comfortable with each other, and they don't like uh, taking a chance of not being comfortable with other people and talking about shit like this. Yeah. Uh, um, he says, and I, I love both those guys, so I would be super happy to do it, but more than likely, not likely. Uh, he's... <laughs> I like how we're all just kind of going, yeah, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're better than us. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be intellectual about shit where we talk about how fucking <laughs> we saw a guy get his fingers cut off with hedge clippers and we thought it was rad. Uh, Daniel says, I found a lot of strange move, strange, fun movies from you guys and the recommendation of TV shows too were great as well. Uh, I recently watched a horror film called The Medusa's Gaze, which that has Richard Burton in it, and I think you guys would would really enjoy it. Also, Kentucky Fried Movie isn't as, isn't as good as Amazon Woman on the Moon, but does have a brilliant Into the Dragon parody that is well researched as that is that is as well researched as the Naked Invisible Man skit in Amazon Woman on the Moon. Really? Uh, thanks for all the great episodes. Thanks, Daniel. So, yeah. So, if you need your you know, Into the Dragon fix, that may be the way to go. Well, I'd have to watch Into the Dragon first in order to be able to properly understand the. Uh, Did we not do it on the show? In order to properly understand. No. You talked about it. I think we did the, the last show. dragon, but we never did enter the dragon. For some reason, I thought we did. I don't think we've done any Bruce Lee stuff. Well, may I have to change that. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right. Well, I completely forgot to tell anybody else to pick movies before we started recording. So I guess I'm, I'll pick movies again for next week. Um, is is like, that how that works? I guess. That's a fun little scam you have going. Does somebody else want to pick movies? Because it'd be Noah's turn. Noah, do you want to pick movies? No, that's all right. You can do it. Yeah, don't don't make me think. It's too late. It's too late at yeah. night. <laughs> That's what I figured. Uh, so we're going to do disaster films that were ripped off by The Rock. We're going to be doing oh, the, nice. Tower, the Towering Inferno and Earthquake. I've never seen either one, but I did, see, I did see Skyscraper. So I at least I've understand never what that's seen all about. The movies that the, I've never even seen what The Rock made. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just thought this was a funny topic when I put these on the list. <laughs> like, <laughs> you'll notice there's also a movies that don't have Denzel Washington in them, which is a similar themed week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Skyscraper's good. I remember being in the yeah. theater, <laughs> being in the theater and seeing the trailer for it. I'm like, that looks pretty good. And Wes, is, Wes was sitting next to me. He's like, the movie's just Die Hard. And I'm like, yeah, but it's Die Hard with The Rock. Like, that's exciting. I mean, Die Hard with The Rock is a pretty good concept. <laughs> it's one of the better concepts. With, you know, 
Considering how many movies are diehard with a in them. (laughs) I was totally on board. I ended up enjoying it. It's no cliffhanger. Oh, diehard on a mountain. Uh, We need to do a cliffhanger at some point, too. I've never seen cliffhangers start to finish. John Lithgow is the bad guy. Isn't it John Lithgow and uh, what's his name? Who's the other bad guy in that movie? Oh, I don't know. John Lithgow towers uh, over everybody. Fair enough. Never mind. What was I thinking? <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> now, now I have to figure out who is else was the bad guy in Cliffhanger. Come on, IMDb. Michael Rooker? Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's like some quality bad guys. It is some know. quality bad guys. And only I, I Stallone. I find it hard to think that like. Only Stallone could stand up to him. Yeah. I find it hard to believe Stallone and Malkovich punching each other is going to be much of an ending to it. Or Lithgow, sorry. Or punching each other is going to be much of an ending. So you need a, a bit of a tough guy in there. <laughs> you know what? I'm double thinking my choice now. No, nope, you've made your decision. I don't know. Well, I feel like you'll have to remind me what you're. Cliffhanger and Daylight. I'll have to put them on the list then. Well, if they're not on the list, you can't even pick them technically. <laughs> that's how this works. <laughs> I like how we act like this has rules. Considering UHF and Amazon Women on the Moon was just made up in the middle of an episode. That was up. That was episode two hundred. That was special. <laughs> okay. Sure. By the way, we still have to get around to doing some of Tracy's picks. Do we still have that email somewhere? Uh, I'm sure we do. Tracy's sitting over in the UK, just like motherfuckers. Why do they even send that list? <laughs> Why do they even waste my time? It's researching, putting a list together. She's she's clearly put more effort into her list than we have into ours, but we're still not <laughs> doing her show ideas. <laughs> We should do it. We should. That's something we should actually do. Let's pick well, at least one off that list. Maybe we have. We just don't know it. <laughs> well, it was a long list. We might have done one by coincidence. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.